0: Hi, everyone. I'm Joe Durkising, and welcome to my podcast, Rumble in the Jungle. Today's guest is my friend and fellow teammate, Christos Papadelos. Christos is a jiu-jitsu competitor at New Wave under John Danaher, Gordon Ryan, and Gary Tonin. He is the founder and owner of Enigma Jiu-Jitsu Superfights and the Enigma TV Network. He has also competed in amateur MMA and amateur Muay Thai. Uh, welcome to the show, Christos. It's good to have you. Thanks, hey, Joe. Thanks for having me. So um, let's start from the beginning. Do you remember when you first discovered martial arts? Do you remember? Was it, was it TV? Was it in person? Do you remember your kind of first experiences of martial arts?
1: Yeah, I, I did Taekwondo as a kid and got really into it. Had a, a really good Taekwondo teacher, actually, uh, a guy named Michael O'Malley, who was like on the Olympic team, coached the U.S. Olympic team at one point. Uh, he's very good. He's Joe Rogan's instructor. And he was a kid. Oh, in really?
0: Yeah, it was... good, good Irish guy. Yeah, you're, you're from Boston. Was this in the Boston area?
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm from a place called Peabody, Massachusetts, which is about 25 minutes from Boston. And um, yeah, I had I had a really good Taekwondo teacher growing up, and um, got pretty good at kicking. And that was, that was like probably the extent of what i got from taekwondo but i will say the instruction was top notch when i was a kid and uh it was just fun i enjoyed it and then i saw conor mcgregor start fighting and i was like oh that's fucking sick you know i i gotta learn this this ground stuff uh if i want to be able to do that and i started doing Jiu-Jitsu.
0: so uh, i guess a couple questions it. here how old were you when you started doing taekwondo
1: I want to say like 11 I think I was like 11 or 12. Was it
0: something where you you heard about it and you asked your parents you know can I do taekwondo or did they kind of were like okay this could be a good sport and they enrolled you and then you kind of fell in love with it.
1: Did a school just like opened up um, like right across the street from where we were. I was oh really? Like, oh that looks pretty cool let's go check it out and my dad brought me and was kind of hesitant at first but then he really liked them and and the program looked great a lot of kids my age in there that were doing well so um yeah you,
0: he just enrolled me in. do you remember what it was about it that made you fall in love with it was it the the sort of competitive aspect of it some people just love fighting like i remember i also did taekwondo when i was a kid uh, not to like any kind of high level but i remember watching like bruce lee movies and martial arts movies and just being like i just want to fight i don't know what it is about it but i just kind of was in love with the idea of fighting and so when I did Taekwondo, I remember it was just like, okay, I'm learning how to fight. And my favorite part of class was, I remember it was the sparring. It wasn't like yeah. the the forms or whatever. I just wanted to kind of fight. Dude, do you remember kind of what it was about it that attracted you? I
1: don't know. I think it just cool as a kid, man. Like you want to be able to kick ass, I guess. For sure. <laughs> you want to learn how to kick someone's ass. That
0: was really it for me. Um, yeah, you see Bruce Lee movies and he's like yeah. roundhouse kicking people in the That's face. Fucking sick, man. And you're yeah. like, I want to do that shit. <laughs> course that's awesome um so you said you started to watch i'm assuming ufc you saw con mcgregor fight and you kind of realized the importance of the ground game so and that was kind of your introduction into knowing what brazilian jiu-jitsu was and kind of realizing that okay i've been doing striking for a while and now i'm going to kind of diversify and, and learn the sort of other half of the game
1: yeah i mean i, I really haven't I mean, yeah, obviously Taekwondo is striking. I wouldn't say, like, it's nothing like kickboxing training or anything. I mean, our school was pretty cool in a sense where it wasn't, like, a traditional Taekwondo school where you just, like, work for points. Like, they would – when we would spar, we put headgear on with face shields as kids and, like, we'd fuck each other up as kids, which is pretty cool, even, like, punching to the head.
0: Your and coaches are cool with that. They're saying the kids just <laughs> – Yeah, yeah.
1: Like, we, we would punch to the head and stuff, which is unheard of for Taekwondo school to do. Yeah. Um, which was cool. But – um Never, like, proper kickboxing or Muay Thai or anything. Uh, and then, yeah, I, I started doing jiu-jitsu once. I started watching MMA a bit, specifically Conor McG- I remember Conor McGregor, uh, like, fucking up Dennis Seaver. And I was like, this is the... Co-, and he jumped on the cage and got on all those faces. Like, this is the coolest thing ever. I want to do that. I got to learn some, some ground stuff. So, um, yeah, my dad brought me to jiu-jitsu school, and then I started training, training grappling.
0: Yeah, that was a great fight, too, because I remember that time. That was when Conor was still humble Conor. He was on the come up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I remember he he dropped him with some shots and then he actually did a, a pretty nice pass to the mount on Dennis Seaver yeah. and then finished him on the ground, actually.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think he was like church dropping elbows and, and the ref stopped it. Yeah, that was um, exciting. Yeah, that was a cool moment, like you said, hungry, up and coming Connor, just getting after it. And then right after that he won in the fight against Mendez to win his first belt. Which
0: was cool. Yeah. You saw that fight. And you you realized okay this is something I want to learn. How did you go about finding your first Brazilian Jiu Jitsu gym?
1: Um, man, if I remember correctly, I think someone that had worked for my dad like years ago had fought once, and then my my dad asked them like, "Hey, where, you know, where do you where you train Jiu Jitsu?" He said, "Oh, this place." So I started going there, and I was with that teacher for a couple of years. A guy named Anderson Silverio, who gave me my my blue belt, my purple belt. Brazilian guy in Massachusetts. really good jujitsu. Uh more of a gi guy. And that's what I was training primarily for a while. And then Nogi just started becoming the thing and I started training more nogi and I started finding other people to train with like mine like I was I was killing everyone at my gym most days, so it's like all right. And I was the only one that would compete too. So it's yeah. kind of one of those situations where you're you're in a local gym and you're trying to get a little bit more and um I started training a lot with Placido, with Placido Santos. Oh, okay. Yeah, he lives like he lived like an hour from me when I lived back in Massachusetts. So I'd go to his house and just train in, like, his kitchen and his driveway. How did you meet Pl- Placido? I think, like, just Instagram, man. I think I was just like, hey, man, i really like to train with you. And he's like, okay, just pull up here at this time. And I just went, and that was the start of our friendship. And I learned a lot from him, man. Like, all the... All, all like the real kind of, uh, that's kind of how I got introduced to like John's meth- methodology, I would say, is through Placido and started building a lot of my game off of that. So I got to credit him for, for a lot of my early development.
0: So for, for those of you who maybe you're not familiar with Placido, Placido is one of John's ukes for his uh, online instructionals and uh he's probably in i'd say at least half if not more of john's instructions more, yeah he's in all the, the
1: og ones too
0: he, he's a boston guy and uh he's part of bjj fanatics and he's an incredible competitor uh, in his own right uh how old were you when you started training with what placido do you remember
1: i want to say probably like no 19 maybe like two three years ago
0: Okay, so you were still pretty young at that point.
1: Yeah, I'd say like three years ago.
0: Okay, and that's how you got introduced to John's methodology. And then how old were you when you uh, came out here to Austin and started training? And how Uh, did that come about?
1: So I I went to New York with Placido during the COVID era when like no one was going. Probably it was a handful of times, maybe like five times ever. And uh, like the first day that John and Gary and Gordon were teaching at RGA, uh, I had, like, booked my flight and stuff in Airbnb for, I don't remember how long, it was a few weeks. And I came down, and the first day, um, there was, like, barely anyone there. There were a few people, but they had they didn't have a pro session yet at all. Like, the session at Roca just wasn't a thing yet. And the first day I was there was the first day they were going to go. And they didn't have anyone to train with. And John had recognized me from Placido bringing me and uh he was just looking for some people that you know weren't gonna fucking hurt anybody, <laughs> and uh asked me if you know i don't want to go to the pro session and train with those guys and of course i said yeah and then shortly after i was like yeah i really want to move down here and, and be with these guys all the time this is a sick environment literally what i've been looking for since i started jujitsu and realized like i want to do it seriously so um yeah that's kind of how it came to be and how i got down here and uh been added ever since for the last like year or so
0: that must have felt kind of unreal to you know be be so young and see these people who are the greatest in the sport they're they're the goats you know gordon ryan hands down the best nogi jiu-jitsu competitor to ever live john danaher the best jiu-jitsu instructor ever you were young you got a chance to meet your heroes and then train with them every day that must have been a uh, pretty wild experience it's cool, man. It's
1: cool. I remember like that first week being here, it just felt like a like a dream. You're know, like, is this real yeah. life? Yeah. Like you said you said it perfectly. Was that your rating.
0: first time in Texas?
1: Yeah. Yeah. What but, do you think about Texas? Oh, dude, I loved it from day one. Yeah. I loved how hot it was. I uh uh-huh. it gets cold in messy. What time of the year
0: was that when you came out here? I wanna I I don't even remember, man. Whenever yeah. they got here. I, I'm okay. not really sure
1: but I was a fan right from the right from the start though
0: you gotta leave the the harsh winters of boston come out here to yeah no to austin yeah
1: it's funny because when there's a, when it gets cold here in the winter yeah everything shuts down it's like having a snow day but there's just no snow at all for sure <laughs> that's, a, that's the way i explain it to people
0: yeah i live in texas now for about eight years i'd say there's been snow twice there's two times and each time there was snow everything shut down for days.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. You go to get gas, and they're like, no. <laughs> they're <laughs> for like, sure. Oh, okay, can, I, can I go to the supermarket and get some food? No.
0: Yeah, there's no snow plows. No one knows how to drive in it. Uh, all all the, the pipes burst. Where, where did you live before you lived in Texas? So before Texas, uh, I lived in Reno, Nevada. So I got okay. my master's degree in geophysics, and so I was out there uh, going to grad school. And so I lived in Reno, and I was about maybe 45 minutes from lake tahoe okay. and all the ski resorts out there so uh for me like my kind of lifestyle when i was there was essentially wake up go snowboarding uh go to school do research take classes all that kind of stuff and then at night do jiu jitsu. so okay
1: and yeah. I, I, what made you move to houston
0: uh, i moved to houston for work okay. so i got i got offered a job in houston and so i decided to uh yeah, to move out here the rest of my family uh, was all in california and I, I was the only one to kind of leave the state right and so i came down here It was kind of a, a definitely a, a big change you have to like make some some sacrifices make some leaps of faith and come out here and so i contacted john and uh uh he talked to the different folks in the team they were welcomed me getting the team so i decided to make the move
1: Nice, man. That's why That's why you're in Austin now full-time, yeah?
0: Yeah. So, so that and then also Houston's a great city. It's you know, it's a lot of diversity, a lot of really cool people, but it's very humid and it's very flat. And it's humid for like six months out of the year. Okay. And I was there for eight years and I never got used to it. <laughs> so, so for me, it just had better nature. Uh, it was a focal point for jujitsu, And it's just a cool city, man. There's a lot it's of really like art cool. here. Yeah. It's a city that I think... uh embraces like people being a little bit different so i like that kind of environment
1: yeah yeah austin's great man it's probably my favorite place i've been other than florida i love florida
0: well bit. what part of florida
1: uh anywhere in Florida. anywhere in right? florida oh, like, okay Florida's sick, yeah. tell me what do
0: you love about florida
1: just the vibe the people no one gives a fuck what anyone else is doing yeah um it's just sick man yeah i really good Cuban like, food yeah yeah I, i've such a good time every time i've been down there but um austin's definitely close second
0: so do you remember um at which point you decided to build a a life and a career around martial arts and was it something that happened was it something that was premeditated or was it something that you kind of just developed organically you kind of saw the opportunity and you kind of decided to go with it
1: um It's weird, man. Like, I I knew I really wanted to try to do MMA, so I started training jiu-jitsu for a while, and after probably, like, two years, I want to say, I was doing some striking, too, with people that my jiu-jitsu coach kind of hooked me up with, and I had, like, a few fights booked that were actually, like, good first fights for me that I felt really confident about, and that just, they just fell through as, like, that happens nine out of ten times with amateur MMA, Um and after a while, I just kind of got impatient and I took like this random ass fight and I don't want to say a backyard, but it was like the sketchiest <laughs> ass thing in Florida. Ironically,
0: um, this is how and, amateur fights go. <laughs> oh,
1: dude, this was crazy. The, the Florida commission was one guy. He was the ref. Wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, it was just insane. Was this outside? No, no, no. It was, okay. in, it was in a gym. Uh my opponent was from the gym and it was at one fifty five and I think I weighed in at like one fifty, dude. It was okay. crazy. <laughs> And we, with your clothes and exactly, shoes on exactly on on like my grandma's bathroom scale and, <laughs> and we get into the cage the announcer starts announcing us and he announces my opponent has weighed in at 160 like, like, okay dude if you saw pictures bro he looks like your size yeah he's fucking massive he's
0: like 6'2 <laughs> yeah
1: and like he was cool i don't want shit on him but he just like missed by five pounds he gets a kid he knew that he was way bigger than and um funny enough i actually like did okay in the beginning i took him down and almost took his back so i don't even know how but if, if i had like successfully subbed him that would have been, probably been the worst thing ever my confidence would have been <laughs> for no reason whatsoever um but it's mma so i i slid off his back and then he threw like probably 15 punches in a row of me just covering up and the ref just stopped it and that, that was my <laughs> first time fighting mma um
0: how did you hear about this fight? Because it was all the way in Florida, and you were living in Boston. Dude, Instagram, I have no Instagram, idea. Okay. Instagram, think
1: They were like looking for him. I was like, yeah, I'll take it. And Perfect. Just, and yeah. my friend just went down with me, and we did it. And then, and then I did one more. Uh, I did one more up in Massachusetts, like a bit more proper fight uh, at one forty-five, which was like probably more, more so my real weight class, um, and had a war with this kid. Uh, what's his name? I forget his name, but he trained. I believe he's, like, Kyle Bokniak, dude. You know Kyle Bokniak? He's in the UFC, New England guy. And uh had a war with this kid, but he got the better of me, too, man. Just way more physical than I was. I did some, some good things uh, grappling-wise in the fight, but he just got the better How, how of old me. were you at the time? 20, maybe. 20, 20 okay. 20 or 21. Um, and then, yeah, I did a few smokers and stuff like that, too striking smokers, just to get more comfortable with my feet, like...
0: Not was that period. before the MMA or after the MMA? It was
1: all like kind of sprinkled into together. Okay, yeah. I think some of them came after and before. It's all kind of, that kind of like,
0: is all... It's sort of a time period.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. all at one time. <laughs> I definitely want to do it again because I'm 0-2 as an amateur, so I don't want to go out 0-2 for the rest of my life. For sure, Eventually, yeah. I want to do it again, but um, my focus has definitely shifted. Like, right now, my my business has just exploded in the last, like, six months, and everyone that has given me any feedback just keeps telling me how awesome it is so i want to that's like my focus has shifted to that but i i love training and i love competing so i definitely want to uh keep after it
0: you're in the perfect place for that too because you know you got john teaching those mma classes every day with gary Tonin and Satoshi ishi and he's he's a genius when it comes to that yeah so i've had one amateur mma fight so far and it it was kind of a similar and like in the build up to you where i had multiple fights booked and people kept dropping out yeah. i had one where i flew out to south carolina i flew all the way out there trained for two weeks and then like i think less than a week before the fight the guy looks me up online sees that i've done jiu-jitsu okay uh professionally and then just like cancels the fight yeah.
1: well well you're you're a black belt right you've i'm a so, black belt yeah and you've won worlds before right
0: yeah i won worlds yeah, at so brown belt it's gonna
1: be tough to get, <laughs>
0: and then i, I got second a, a black belt but the thing yeah. is this this fight had been scheduled for like two months and so he didn't decide to lo- like look into who i was yeah, until about weird. five days before the fight so i was already out there committed uh he 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 like canceled the fight we tried to find another guy that guy accepted and then canceled the next day yeah. and then we couldn't find someone on like two days notice so yeah yeah it's it, the way it it's, went
1: it's weird how that happened i mean in mma that happens all the time you did so you show up to the tournament there's a whole bracket full of people for sure you, there's that's never going to happen to you which is nice
0: yes yeah and anyone who's fought like wonder boys told me a story he was saying he was supposed to fight and it was, it was like a really big event and right before the, the fight began the guy just left the arena just was like gone so he ended up like that he didn't fight and i think there was supposed to be a lot of like really big people in in, in the venue i think Mike Tyson was there. All these yeah. different folks were yeah. there. He was pumped to fight. He was there, weighed in, like warming up, ready to go. And they're like, hey, your competitor's gone. Dude. So this kind of that's thing weird. happens at like all the levels of uh, combat sports. That's fucking which is That's wild, yeah. So so MMA, uh, it seemed like that was one of the things that got you into jiu-jitsu. Do you, do you kind of feel like that's one of your, um, like your first loves in, in terms of martial arts was MMA? I mean,
1: I think it's definitely like, the coolest sport and the hardest sport ever yeah yeah
0: do you see yourself promoting mma one day
1: man that was actually my plan before i moved down here um i wanted to start uh an mma promotion up in new england because there's two like there's two good ones it's called cage titans and combat zone combat zone is calvin cater's promotion
0: oh yeah he's a great uh, fighter yeah UFC. Yeah. yeah
1: so there's there's only a real two shows in town and they both do really well i mean I, i've been to both their shows and they have, uh, the uh the place is always packed
0: that's an area but such a density of, of fighters that it seems like there's a lot of room for uh, yeah that's, a whole that's ecosystem. The way, that's
1: the way i saw. There, there's actually another one coming up too called uh, combat fc which is on fight pass a couple of my friends have fought for so there there's more popping up but that was kind of the plan like i was promoting jiu-jitsu events i was like okay i want to start getting involved in promoting mma events and to be honest what really turned me off was just like how lazy and sloppy the commissions up there are yeah um like they don't care about anything except getting their piece and unless you're gonna bring in like a massive massive crowd or make tons of money from like your very first show they just don't even give you the time of day because Mm -hmm. like it needs to be worth it for them to get their piece of the pie for doing nothing yeah um You know, they, I'm right, I ran a kickboxing smoker once, and it went sick, and they were bitching about it, complaining about, like, fighter safety and whatnot, and it's like, you have Jay Ellis, I don't know if you know who Jay Ellis is, he's, like, 15 and 120, who will get knocked the fuck out every single week for, like, six weeks straight, so that's totally fine, Yeah, but amateurs doing kickboxing smoker with headgear that's that's a no-go that's too dangerous but yeah. we can let Jay Ellis get knocked out six weeks in a row it's so um, political up there huh you know as long as they get their payday dude they're they'll let you do whatever so i was just not really interested in working with the commissions specifically in massachusetts and new hampshire i i don't really know how they are in other states i haven't i haven't reached and asked
0: um i'll say from for my, my fight here in in texas the the texas commission was actually pretty good they had a a handful of guys here they were they're all really cool they they seem to be people who are fight fans like they they knew the kind of different gyms around uh the, the event that i did uh it was called elevate uh elevate mma mm-hmm. and so they, uh, they but, did the grappling events too right yeah so they have the uh, elevate submission series uh okay. chris lopez and then they have the elevate mma and they've had like four or five events now and it was great it was in uh it was a pro wrestling like arena. Nice. So it was it was uh it was cool, man. But we had maybe a handful of guys from the Texas State Commission. They were good. They watched everybody get their hands wrapped. They seemed like they were they were not hassling people too much, but they were making sure everything was done the right way. So they, okay, they seemed great. very easy to work with.
1: Great. Yeah, man. That's that's great. That's and it was great clear to... who they
0: were. They had like their badges on and stuff. Okay. So you're like, okay, this is the commission person. That's great. So
1: and I remember when I had my second fight in Massachusetts. Yeah, it was on a on a Cage Titans card. The promoter's a guy named Michael Pulveri. and I felt really bad for him that day because I felt bad for every every fighter on the card that day, but him too yeah. because it made him look bad. He told everybody, "Our kind, the commission's going to be here from ten to twelve. Do not be later than ten o'clock. Like you guys cannot be later than ten o'clock to weigh in." Everyone showed up there on time, uh-huh. hungry. Dude, the commission shows up, like, a little bit after 12 p.m. Yeah. And it just, like, two random dudes show up with a scale, and they weigh in. At first, they told us, like, we can weigh in on a different scale, and then, like, the doctors okayed that, and then after, like, half the people weighed in, they're like, no, 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 actually, this is invalid. You guys gotta wait. So we wait.
0: Did people have to weigh in again?
1: Well, They well, didn't,
0: right? They, they let the first half go through? No, they didn't. OK,
1: so we had to wait until they got there like a half hour after we were, that was like the last call at 12 and they show up, they get on the stage, you put the scale. We start like weighing in and they're like sitting there laughing about being late after like everyone just sit there fucking hungry, dehydrated for like two and a half hours extra than they were supposed to. I was like, you guys have no respect for anyone right now. And you're just yeah. sitting there laughing on the stage. You're going, oh, there was traffic. Ha, ha, ha. It's like you're two and a half fucking hours late. That's what I mean. They really don't care about anything as long as they get their piece of the pie up there. Yeah, that's tired. dangerous I mean. too
0: for fighters who are like dehydrated. Yeah, it's not cool, man. It's yeah, for not sure. cool.
1: But uh, I'm glad to hear you I had a good experience down here in Texas. Yeah, you
0: know, I think Austin, they they need another fight promotion too. I think there's... Uh, there's a couple of big ones here in Texas, right? Like LFA comes here, Fury comes here, there's Elevate. There's a lot of big promotions, but I think a lot of them operate out of Dallas, Houston, San Antonio. I don't think there's many events that come here to the Austin area. I think uh, there's Melee. M- think.
1: Yeah, MFC, right? Melee Fighting Championships is...
0: I think it's the big. only one I, I know of that kind of operates somewhat regularly in the Austin area.
1: Yeah, I think they're based out of Austin. Yeah. I'm pretty sure.
0: Yeah. So, so I guess uh, a couple of things coming up for you. You guys have two events next month in uh, yeah. Enigma.
1: Yeah, I mean, by by the time you post this, it'll be I'll post it up. Um, so we have two huge events, easily my biggest ones yet. The last one, if you thought was big, with um, Taza versus Andy that was Arella. a barn burner, by the it way. Was sick! It was oh my
0: sick. god, they went forty minutes. Forty minutes. Forty minutes uh, back and forth. There's amazing sick. like wrestling scrambles. Both of them are, are such great athletes, right? Taza is like always consistent, always smart, always like hunting for the finish. And then Andy Varela, that guy is just an athletic freak. He always does crazy flying passes, uh, crazy submissions. I, I remember seeing him for the first time at uh, the West Coast Trials. He made it to the finals yeah. against Tackett. That was an amazing match between them. It was. It
1: was. Yeah, but both those guys got that dog in them for sure. For sure, <laughs> dude. I mean, honestly, the, then the only reason. Andy lost is because he got a negative for... He took a shot and wasn't on the shot for three seconds and stayed on his knees. And so he got a negative for, you know, like a guard pull. Um, And that's how he lost. But if that hadn't happened and that goes to a decision, it's like... In my opinion, there was really no clear winner. I I had Andy winning the majority of the first half. And then Taza started to pick it up in the second half. But it was just so close, man. Like, I really don't know who the judges would have given that to. Um,
0: that yeah. was one of those fights where you got to see like the heart come through. Because yeah. uh, I had the same thing, where it looked like Taza was almost tired a little bit yeah. in the first 20 minutes. And then you're like, oh, this is going to be a long night. And then once they get into the overtime period, the second 20 minutes, Taza, despite being tired, started to pick it up. Started to pick up the wrestling, the snaps, the scrambles. And then v- Varela started to kind of fatigue at the yeah. end. And I think that was a bit of him getting that negative point. Because I think... You know, when you're tired, you don't think as clearly. So I think he kind of shot, was a little tired, stayed on his knees, and he got the negative point.
1: I agree, yeah. And there's really something, too, like when you give someone everything and you don't score. Yeah. And and it's like...
0: He was close a couple times, but Tazza's scrambling was amazing. Dude,
1: I can't say enough good things about that match. That was so fun. The whole card was sick. Uh, another kid, J.R. Caballero, tore through the bracket. He's the smallest guy in the bracket and tore through the bracket. Kid's a beast. He's a beast, man. Yeah. Um, he's like 17 or 18 and just opened his own gym. I can't say enough good things about him. He's very exciting. It
0: was him versus Kimoy in the finals.
1: Yeah, that was a fun match, For too, sure. Man. Yeah, I feel like no one really talks about that match because Taza and Andy kind of like took over the whole show and everyone was talking about that, but there were so many good matches that night. How um,
0: old is that kid, J.R.? I think he's 17, 17 or 18. So so that kid, I think I met him once uh, in Houston at a Craig Jones seminar. This was like four years ago. And that kid must have been like 14 or yeah. something. He was a beast then. Yeah. I remember him. He was like coming after me and he was like half my size. Yeah. And I was like, this kid is so fast and, and so good. He, he says
1: to me after he goes, uh,
0: yeah, I went back when I was a
1: green belt, I fought Kimoy at combat sports coverage and he took me down and took my back. So I wanted to take him down and take his back to the show. I got better. I was like, well, good job, bro. Like you For did sure. It. Um, so yeah, that my, my point is that card was just so insane and so fun and did so well. Um, but I truly believe that that will like pale in comparison to what we put on in September. So September 16th in Boston, we have a welterweight tournament, 170 pounds. It's a 16-man bracket for, uh, for 5K. So we're going to invite all the all the big names we can for that one it should be it should be stacked i'm going to have super fights on top of it too a bunch of the local talent try to get the place filled with tickets and just get everybody super rowdy in there and then the following weekend sunday september 24th uh, we're going to be back here in austin for a a lightweight 5k bracket so 155 pound bracket again 16 man uh, division and then super fights on top of that as well again just try to get the building packed and
0: can you share any names about who are in either the 170 or the 155 pound bracket so far?
1: Um, there's no one like confirmed, confirmed, but I would like to have, you know, as many ADCC veterans uh, as possible. Like I would, I would love to have Ethan in there for B team. I think having Ethan in there would be sick. Beast, I, yeah. Yeah. And I think he uh, has a really good chance of winning too. Every 55 bracket he does, he he wins. So I think he would be really good a few of my teammates will probably be in there i know for a fact reese is going to be in there
0: reese he's Um, uh yeah kind of like on the up and like coming like i don't know how many people are aware of him but reese is very very good as well nasty man this guy never misses
1: a class ever he's at every single session like the most consistent person and he wins
0: everything i've seen him do he's good
1: he's really good um i like I was talking to DeAndre Corby about hopefully getting him down here. DeAndre is undefeated in the opens. ADCC open. Every single one he's done, he's won, which is crazy. <laughs> um I think Enrique Camargo will be in there, who's also really good. Uh he's a guy from uh, Gracie Baja West Chase. Um that's the fifty five one.
0: Five K that that's a good amount of money 5K too. Five K is a good amount
1: of money. Yeah. For, for Jiu Jitsu it's like 5K is a lot of money for, for the sure. answer guy. Yeah. yeah. So Those are some guys I would really love to have in there. No one is 100% set in stone yet, but um, yeah, those are some of the guys I have in mind. Then for 170, uh, I have invited Andy Varela. So if he wants to come out to, to Boston for that one, that would be sick. That'd be great. I think he would yeah. do really well. I would have liked to have Taza in that one too, but he's going to be at the European Trials. Same thing with Davis. He'll be at European Trials. Yep. A lot of guys are, are going over for that. So uh,
0: The Americans will have to hold that one down. And there's plenty yeah. of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. William Tackett might be a good guy for that one too. Yeah, I'll
1: hit him up. That would yeah. William Tackett would be great. Dante would be great. Dante. Leon, Dante's always a beast. Yeah, he's very good, man. It think, gives
0: everyone a chance to, especially the guys who are going to be competing at the North American Trials. It gives them a chance to get some competitive experience in right before those trials. It's like a month before, three weeks before. It's perfect amount of time.
1: rules. It's like the perfect exactly yeah just the perfect uh just going through the reps a few, see what's working yeah.
0: what's not working yeah get sharp that'll be good that's the most stacked division too man because that's a division right with like pj barch cody Steele, yeah. william tackett yeah some big I mean, names
1: dude 77 is insane the lighter weight classes in general but 77 specifically is like there's no easy matchup there's no, no easy wild. matchup it's crazy
0: yeah i think at like west coast trials there was like it was like 300 people or something in that division. Yeah, or something same. insane. 260. 260? 260 something. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Or no, two, 256. Yeah.
0: I think there's a, a lot of big up-and-comers too because the sports have grown so much in the past two years. I think this yeah. last ADC, ADCC was so big. And I think now that UFC is getting behind it in, in terms of the promotion, I think the sports are growing a lot. And there's a lot of guys who two years ago were maybe a little green, yeah. but now they're turning into killers. Yeah.
1: Yeah, man. The, the rule set is definitely, I think, part of it. Like, The matches are just so exciting under that rule set, man. You don't see scrambles like that happening in EDI. Or it's I so hard UK to score in ADCC, too. That. Yeah. That's the thing. It's like, guys know every little way now. How to not get scored on and how to get the score. And you have two guys with really good knowledge of how to do that, how to defend, and how to attack for the yes. score and defend it. They make, like, Taza and Andy was a super good example of that. It, like...
0: That okay. turtle being a neutral position changes so much. Yeah,
1: yeah, man. I almost got screwed over like that at the Mexico <laughs> Open. I was, uh, I was judging it Was Jordan Mexico City? Uh, I was in Tijuana. Tijuana, okay. I was judging most of the day at the table that I was competing at too. I see the thing. I'm like, oh, I guess I'm at the table that I was judging at. Cool, and I'm with the guys that, uh, or like I'm being judged by the guys that I was with all day, and I was up by two points at like 30 seconds left. And the kid took me down. I turtled, and I'm just chilling a turtle. I probably sit there for like ten seconds, and I know this is this is neutral again. I can just put my back on the mat and give up side control, and there's no pass because this is neutral. So I'm just gonna do that and give this kid false confidence. I'm I'm pretty sure I know I know the rules like better than him. He's gonna get excited. He's hold me, and that's gonna be it. That's exactly what happens. I put my back on the mat. He gets me in side control, holds me super tight. He's like waiting for his points. I'm like. Huh, like time's gonna run out, and then they give him his fucking points. I'm like, guys, there's there's no pass here. Um And then the time runs out, and then they call the head judge over, and he's like, Nah, guys, he, that's not that's not points. Whew, and close one. <laughs> yeah, I I knew the I wouldn't have just purposely given a side yes. control like that. But there's a lot of little little things like that that people don't know. Like Landon used used that rule probably like ten times in a row in one match. He fought the kid that won the bracket in Dallas, and. Got taken down a bunch of times and just turtled one, two, three, and just gave up side control and regarded. And there's no score there. I think he lost like 2-0, but the kid's nasty. And uh, it Yeah, Landon finished.
0: is another kid who's a beast.
1: Yeah, he's super young too. And he's, what is he, like 15, 16, quick. something like that? 16, yeah. Yeah. He's getting good fast.
0: Yeah. I remember I was on uh, one of your events, uh, the Absolute Bracket. Yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe like two years ago, a year and a half, something like that.
1: Yeah, the time's flying by, but I don't think that was too long ago. That was number number eight when, when Giancarlo won the bracket. And uh we yeah, we had like Taza versus Hunter Colvin, Ben Eddie oh, versus. That was a Kenta. great match too. So many good that was the best one yet. Like uh at at that time that was the best event yet for
0: sure. That that was great. I ben, remember Ben
1: Eddie and Kenta fought that one. Yes,
0: that was a, that was an amazing yeah. match too. But yeah. I remember seeing Landon there for the first time and I he was training at that That's time right. before he was training with Danaher. Yeah. he was training at a, a gym out of Houston, Dark side, yeah. yeah, and I, I remember seeing him in that match and never seen the kid before. He must you must have been 15, 14 at the time. Yeah. And I was like, this kid is like the next Gary Tonin. yeah he like the amount of submission attempts and how aggressive he was from the get-go was so impressive. That was one of the most exciting matches ever. This kid was like throwing up flying triangles, jumping on legs almost getting his leg caught and then like next second you know he's like catching the kid in a triangle that was that, that yeah. was an amazing back and forth battle that kid will yeah. be fun yeah and he's and still so young that
1: was against one of our teammates phil he trains a tri-star oh, but he comes okay. down to, to train with us and yeah now they have like six rounds in the gym um but i forgot about small that, world that yeah too yeah that was uh that was a really sick card overall you, you you fought Kimoy that day in the first round, right? Yes, um, yeah. Dars, I felt bad for Kimoy because like he got the worst draw. If he had beaten you, he would have gotten John Carlo or James. For sure, <laughs> it was, yeah. It was it was just a shit draw.
0: That was a great um, bracket though. There was a lot of good guys good. in there. That there, was good. There was, there was me. There was JB. Yeah. Of course, John Carlo, ADCC champion. There is Kimoy. Um, who else is that? Oh, Bruno Matias.
1: Bruno made it to the final. Yeah, he's good. It was crazy because like. Bruno, it was like who would, I would consider the top four seeds. It was like you, uh, Giancarlo, Bruno, and Kimoy. And it was like Bruno on one side, and then you, Kimoy, and Giancarlo. <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> so Bruno just like tears through, has like two minutes of mat time going into the final. And Giancarlo just had two awards with JB and you <laughs> to fight Bruno in the final. And then uh, use that. Yeah, he had twenty minutes of regulation to work and used it to wear him out and uh he got the smother tap in the final. Remember that? Yeah.
0: It, it was, that was incredible. Nuts. I remember not even knowing like what happened. I was like, how Because this is before I think I saw a lot of people smother tap. Yeah. Like Giancarlo did this. And then afterwards, I think Gordon Ryan hit the smother and tap against somebody. Big Dance hit it a couple yeah. times, hit it against uh Ricardo Evangelista. Yes. Uh so I think now people kinda know what it was. But I remember when that happened, I was like what was that?
1: And you you hear that in the crowd. He gets up and it's everyone just like confused. Then he just puts his hands up and everyone starts <laughs> going crazy. Um, yeah, you're you're right. No, I honestly didn't know what happened either. I I knew what a smother tap was, but I was just like, wait, what? And then he put his. I was like, oh, he, he tapped. Okay, great.
0: <laughs> and talk about development opportunities. Like when you have all these events, right? There's the you're the vow submission series, which yeah, is ADCC yeah. rules as well, right? Yes, Enigma. And you have people like, at uh, this time, Giancarlo was doing it. And I think this was in July-ish, August, and then a couple months later was ADCC. Yeah, so sick. And Giancarlo got a chance to have a lot of matches under the full ADCC rules. Then he goes into ADCC and wins. You got to think, like, having a lot of experience competing under those rules must have helped a lot.
1: I I would I would like to think so. I mean, that's kind of... That's how I would look at it. Like, oh, let me just go through the motions like a couple times, you know, have a few matches in one night under this rule set.
0: You um, train for it, yeah, you think about it.
1: Yeah, you think about it, train for it yeah. exactly like you said. Um I think whoever would have done it, it would have would have helped them greatly, but uh yeah, Giancarlo obviously showed up to the, the biggest tournament of all time and, and killed it, so For sure. I like yeah. to think it helped in some way, but
0: he, he'd, yeah. be, he'd be great regardless don't don't get me wrong but i think it, it provides good opportunities for for athletes to for sure. to get some experience sure. with that I, I, I
1: think like you mentioned before these two september like right before the trials will be will be really big for that absolutely yeah yeah i think whoever goes to the final of those is gonna is gonna have a, a much better chances at the trials and much more experience going to the trials with uh with all those uh, you know matches under their belt like a few weeks before under the rule setting it's tough guys
0: yeah yeah do you have a favorite match from uh from enigma
1: dude there's a few if you go to like the featured section on enigma tv you'll see uh you'll see some of my favorites that i have there i mean i think Taza and andy's probably taking that top spot Giancarlo and jb was absolutely crazy that was an
0: amazing match. that was his first first round of that tournament as well Yeah. I remember watching that one live because I think I competed and that was the next one.
1: Yes, exactly. And I
0: was like, wow, they are going to war.
1: Yeah, you were probably hyped. You're like, they're going to be fucking tired. Let's go. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I was like, this is good for me. (laughs) Yeah, that was a really good one. We had one match at, uh, at Vow. It was Landon, again, versus a kid named Nathan Gerrard. And they had fought at the Vegas Open. And I think Nathan won by a negative or something. They you were know, like two negatives. And they had a rematch in a 10-minute match um, at VAL. And, yeah, that was, like, top three craziest matches I've ever seen, ever. It was so back and forth. And then um, probably with, like, two or three minutes left in overtime, Landon threw up a triangle, arm bar and then he finished by extending the arm. And then they ran it again for a third time because they were a one at one on Enigma and landed heel hooked them in regulation. It's like 10 seconds left or something like that. But that was a sick one. Um, man, there's been a lot of good ones. I really don't know. I really don't. I, yeah, you have the featured section pulled up right there. You can, yeah, I'm
0: looking at that right now. We got uh, Luke Griffith versus Pat Shigoli. That
1: was a fun one. I that, mean, that was Luke, a fun one Yeah, well. Luke, Luke was a big <laughs> favorite, but Pat had called him out and... Uh, Luke was like, I'll fight the kid. He wants to talk and call me out then whatever. Let's do it. A little bit of a grudge match sort of. Yeah, yeah. No, it was fun. It was fun. Pat's always Pat's always cool. Puts on a show.
0: He's Um, good too. He's being a lot of good guys. He's not bad, man. The kid's
1: dangerous. And he runs he has his own promotion too called Tap Tournament. Oh, okay. Uh, It's actually on there. If you scroll to the top, you'll see Tap Tournament is there. He I've done three shows with him.
0: Oh yeah. Three seasons. um,
1: it's EBI rules, but he's changing it to ADCC rules now. Great. He sees all the events awesome. coming up. He's like, yeah, this is way better. You got it. Yeah, it everybody is. everybody yeah. agrees
0: ADCC is – that's where the best people in the sport compete. And whoever wins that, we all agree, is the best. Yeah, yeah. So it's course. like uh, I'm happy to see the sport instead of having every event have its own unique rule set. Everybody's adopting the rule set of the best organization and people actually get a, a chance to compete under those rules and get yeah. better.
1: I hope the UFC does that, man. That'd be Me sick. Too. I've heard rumors that they're gonna because, uh, like, Craig Jones and Felipe Pena, they I heard they got upset that they just like kept doing the same thing. <laughs> they just kept
0: standing up. Uh, I did not expect that that was an interesting match. Yeah, that, that was kind of weird. The last, so for those of you who are maybe not familiar, that was on, the, on the last UFC Fight Pass Invitational. They were the main event, and it was two guys who are not known for the wrestling. They're known much more for their uh, their guard game and their submissions, yeah. and they essentially had a 15-minute wrestling match.
1: Yeah, it was weird. I, I didn't even see the regulation first because I remember like my teammates were done competing. And I was like, all right, I'm going to turn this off and go to bed. And then right before I go to sleep, I'm like, oh, let me just check who won. And I turn the uh, fight pass back on. I see it's an overtime. Like, halfway through, I'm like, oh, all right, I'll, I'll just stay in, uh, and see, like, who wins. I see Craig wins. I'm like, oh, that makes sense. His OT is really good. And then I wake up the next day, and everyone's talking about how, like, horrible the match was. I'm like, what are you guys talking about? <laughs> and then I start hearing that, like, they would reset them, and they just stand back up, and it was just kind of a mess. Um, which I didn't realize because I just saw the overtime. But, yeah, that's kind of the problem with EBI. Like, if you know your your overtime game is really good. Then you don't have to you don't have to do anything.
0: There's that too, and I think another thing that works great on the ADCC front is, their their out of bounds rules are good. Well, or like if there's action on the edge of the mat, they'll let it go. Yeah, and and you know if you have IBJJF or some other events they will just stop it and recenter it. And so what you get is you get guys who are or tired. Or the key <laughs> Yeah, and they want to stall, and they'll yeah, start just, like, yeah. get into the edge. Yeah, like, subtly, they'll let themselves be pushed to the <clears> edge, <throat> and anytime any action's happening, they'll just go out of bounds, and they restart it. And when there's a big kind of platform, like in the Fight Pass, I think you saw people utilize that a lot, where you have a giant mat, but for some reason, they can't stay in the center of it.
1: I personally hate the elevated mat, dude. Me I too. it's so dangerous. And yeah. Even, like... Yeah, like just opportunity for things to go wrong, in yeah. my opinion. Like Fight to Win does it, I've seen people fly off a bit.
0: It's a half the job of the ref is to keep people on the stage. Yeah. It's hard though, man. It's yeah. like four feet off the ground. For sure. Yeah, it's dangerous. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. I, I really like what WNO does, how they put it on the yeah. on like the turf or whatever, yep. the floor, and then they put bleachers. So there's a perfect seat for the perfect view for everybody. Yeah. Uh, I really like how they do that. I think once I start moving to big venues, that's kind of the move is like have mats that I just put on the floor and do bleachers.
0: I think that's good. And I think ADCC has a a good policy where they let action go on the edge of mat. Yeah. I think the other alternative would be to to enforce like a a rule similar to freestyle wrestling, where if you get pushed off the mat, you lose a point.
1: (sighs) Yeah. I've heard people propose that. The, The problem is though, then that's all what everyone would ever try to do no one would do jiu-jitsu. if you could just push the guy out and score I, I think it's so hard to score that would be the easy that'd be the new easiest way to score you know? but
0: you know like but you could say the same thing about freestyle wrestling and freestyle wrestling that's not like the primary like people will try to push but what happens is you don't want to get scored on so you push back into them right and then that allows you to do, I think a lot of offense because something like a snap down right if, if you're like pushing into somebody and there's backing up it's hard to snap them down mm-hmm. but if they start pushing back into you, now you can pull back and snap them action. down hard. I see. But if they know they're going to score out of bounds and they're not going to get scored on, they'll do that. But if they know, oh, I'm about to lose a point and as I push back into them, you start to get opportunities to do a lot of offense.
1: Yeah, that's a fair argument. I, I do think people would would start looking at that as like a primary way to score. Like a sumo match. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Like I feel like we would see less jiu-jitsu if that, if that was the case, you know. Yeah. So just trying to like, let me just score a point on this guy and fucking sit in the middle of this mat and chill.
0: I I do wonder because I I could see that happening in the beginning, but then people would start to like realize that, you know, you could win and lose matches that way. Yeah. So I think they'd start to prioritize ways to keep it in the center.
1: Yeah. I I see what you're saying. That'd be interesting. I mean, I'm sure there's
0: that's one way, but I think ADCC, they do a good job by like, they'll let it go like two mats over. They're like, if there's action, we're not going to stop it. I like it, man. That's exciting.
1: I did see in in Mexico, there was a guy that got double-legged and just got his head fucking bounced off the cement uh, floor, dude. He was down for like an hour.
0: Oh, wow. So he got really hurt. Bad, bro. Yeah. Um,
1: That was really bad. And then I had a girl when I was judging on my mat. I forget what she was doing, but the girl pulled her back and she just slams her forehead on the floor, dude. Just concrete or cement floor, whatever it was. It was like and she, she just kept going like it was nothing i'm like holy i was expecting her to pull, pull her head up and just have like blood running down her face but she was fine uh for sure concussion there's no possible way i heard the thump yeah off, off the floor man like
0: this is part of the excitement of adcc though because i i had a match on the east coast trials with uh, Devonte johnson
1: i saw the clip of that reason i was gonna ask you yeah yeah
0: and that was a similar thing where uh, i think he went for like a body lock uh takedown I was moving backwards, and I hit an Uchimata on yeah. him. And in my head, I was just like, oh, okay, defend this like takedown, and I have a good Uchimata. So I threw that, and then I didn't realize the chairs were right there. He got thrown like into the chairs, yeah. and they were just like, up you go, back into the center. And uh, it, it's exciting because you never know what's going to happen. You know you can't be saved by the edge of the mat. And then I think when people kind of go off the mat too, it adds an element of excitement because yeah. it is a bit more risky. Yeah, for sure. And you realize you're not going to be saved by the ref, so you got to like gonna take care of yourself
1: and it's cool how the the athletes understand that like our last show andy took a shot on on taza yeah i just posted that reel i don't know if you saw it. i saw it yeah he like literally fucking sits him down in the front row on somebody's lap and he understands (laughs) like all right they're not gonna stop it i'm gonna i'm gonna get this score he just picks him up turns around walks him back to the mat and goes to put him down and uh and it wasn't stopped at all. And we yeah. told people in the front. We always say, like, guys, if you're sitting close to the mat, just be careful because, you know, we're we're not gonna uh, we're not gonna stop it <laughs> if, if it's a situation where the guys like trying to score. Um, so
0: and there's yeah. a level of excitement with that too. Yeah. We're oh, like, man, I completely agree. With you know, it's that. like you're in a splash zone. You're in the first like, couple <laughs> of rows. You don't know yeah. what's gonna happen, dude. <laughs> yeah.
1: No, for sure. For sure.
0: Okay. So we we have a, a section of the show now where uh, we kind of have a, a couple uh, sort of off the ball questions. So if you don't mind, I'm gonna kind of yeah, sure. move to that. In and out or Whataburger?
1: In and out, in and out. Perfect. Yeah. It's funny because when I first moved here, <laughs> I would eat Whataburger every single day, dude, every single day. <laughs> and um, yeah, I just got sick of it, and I thought it was like a slightly better McDonald's.
0: Yeah, that's exactly what I think.
1: Yeah, but in and outs in and out It's good.
0: So all the Texans here, they love Whataburger. Uh, if you guys don't know what that is, you're obviously not from Texas or haven't been here, but... I think the same way. Whataburger is like a McDonald's. And people here, they are so proud of it. They love it. <laughs> but I think it's trash. It's garbage. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's the it's worst dry, ever. But, uh. It's going to start a lot of fights. But Whataburger is the worst. in and out <laughs> by far, leaps and bounds better. I'm glad you said that. It's pretty good. Yeah. Perfect.
1: Also, both super reasonably for pr- For like 7 $8, oh, you yeah. had a whole meal, which is sick.
0: Yes. Uh, who's your favorite MMA fighter of all time? Of all
1: time? I mean... Conor McGregor is the guy that inspired me to, like, really start taking martial arts seriously, but I feel like I'm going to get in trouble if I don't say Gary Tonin. So it's Gary <laughs> Tonin. It's yeah. got to be Gary Tonin. Yeah, congrats to Gary. Just picked up a huge win and, uh, and won against a really solid undefeated guy, too. Um, yeah. Just sleek knee bar finish, got the 50K bonus, so congrats to Gary.
0: Yeah, what was the guy's name? Something, G- Gasanov, right, is his last name?
1: fucking something crazy something scary
0: (laughs) yes so so for those of you who missed this match this was in one fc uh last weekend in in bangkok thailand they fought in lupini stadium which is morning in the morning on sunday morning it was was saturday night our time but sunday morning their time and lupini stadium is one of the two big stadiums in bangkok that's has the most legendary muay thai fights of all time so this is where they were fighting and he was fighting not in a cage he was fighting in a ring against this guy gasanov who is an undefeated uh fighter out of dagestan with the typical dagestani style where he was real solid dangerous striking and his ground game was ridiculous yeah. and the twist is in the ufc you can't knee people to the head on the ground yeah. in one yeah. they say Yo, no, fuck it you're on your own yeah. dude you get kneeing in the head on the ground you get kneeing in the head and he had like a, a tough first round he uh, started off good he, he shot for a takedown i think right Ended up catching a, a couple knees, um, got kind of figured out the situation, got himself out of there, took the guy's back, and then uh in the second round, he submitted him with a rolling uh knee bar. Yeah. And the guy was tough. The guy didn't tap. And he had to actually break the shit out of that guy's leg to get him to tap. Yeah. Incredible. That was that was a show of like real jitsu and like composure and it was it was an incredible match.
1: So sick, man. It's it's so impressive how comfortable he is when people get behind him like that oh yeah he didn't even try to put a wizard in. he's like all right good get behind yeah me, whatever and then just rolls into it and subs him which is crazy
0: he's got to be one of the most calm guys under pressure like of all time yeah because even like his match who's more paul Pajares, yeah. right who's <laughs> was like 50 pounds heavier yeah. than him on all the acai known for just breaking people's legs and like not respecting the tap yeah and like, Gary went against him, no fear, attacking him. I think he, like, broke his leg, and who's smart is didn't tap? Yeah. It's, it's a legend. But, but he was just so composed. I remember that was the thing that struck me about that match. Because Gary was so composed the entire time against a guy who scares everyone.
1: Seriously, I think that's, like, the most viewed jiu-jitsu match of all time on YouTube. It's got to be, right? Millions of views, yeah. Yeah which is a well-deserved. Thing.
0: I remember one point, too, because Husmar is so big, right? He, like, threw him, and Gary Tonin, like, spun around on his back like a ninja turtle, <laughs> got back into the guard, and, like, entered into the legs, and I was like, man, he's so unfazed by this guy. It was, it was impressive. He's so good, man. He's so good. It's crazy. Incredible. A legend. Okay, another one. Bruce Lee or Chuck Norris? Who wins? Uh, who wins? Yes. Well... Mm- Bruce Lee won <laughs>
1: didn't, didn't, didn't he <laughs> so, I mean, I mean, that, that kind of answered itself yeah I have to say Bruce Lee I mean he, he won so he, he kill won? him I think he killed he had, him right I think he killed him yeah what if they would have
0: a rematch though outside of the big screen who wins uh, I don't know man it'd be uh, you're in Texas remember this <laughs>
1: it'd be interesting but you
0: gotta go Bruce Lee though when right? I saw he killed him First, sir, uh, I'm with you on that one <laughs> Uh, so do you have any hobbies outside of jiu-jitsu? Not really, man. I, I mean, everything I
1: kind of do in my life revolves around the sport one way or another. Like I said, running Enigma TV and just putting on shows is like what takes up most of my time. The big pro wrestling fan. I really like watching wrestling. Oh, yeah? I love wrestling, dude. Yeah. Who are some of your favorites? Some of my favorites? Uh, I remember when I was a kid, Jeff Hardy was one of my favorites. Oh, yeah. He's exciting, yeah. Up. But uh, like Undertaker sick obviously a legend of the
0: stone cold fan
1: steve austin was sick steve yeah.
0: austin was the best dude Crack the two beers yeah walk yeah. out stun people and nobody ever got up from the stunner
1: ever yeah yep. no man i i love wrestling so much sting i've been watching a bunch of sting matches recently um yeah i'm just a giant pro wrestling fan just such a like respect for what they do and and how hard those guys work they're literally like back in the day they would literally wrestle like 300 nights a year insane yeah, just like never see their families yeah five
0: they're or just... six nights a week they were on the road wrestling yeah and they yeah, were doing, doing crazy stuff country. i heard this podcast with uh, rick flair he was saying he would like take a razor blade and, like cut open his forehead oh, so it'd bleed common. yeah and he, he'd get like an extra a couple hundred dollars from the promoter so he was literally cutting open his head and bleeding he said like four or five nights a week because yeah. he got like an extra like 200 bucks or something
1: there's certain guys that uh you heard about uh, abdullah the butcher oh yeah dude he, like his his skull you can like fit fucking quarters in the lines like he, he from the amount of times that he's bladed yeah um there's just the, the lines in the head are crazy another guy new jack his yep. forehead is just fucked um yeah they, they like keep it in like their wristband or like some guys hide it in their mouth or whatever like and they'll just fucking
0: and, and what's just, crazy is like they would sometimes wake up they would like work out and then they would, they'd have to kind of practice for the event, figure out, you know, the storyline, all that kind of stuff. They would compete and then they'd go back to the hotels and they'd party all night. Bro, I and you're don't like, understand. Yeah, how man. do they have the energy to do this? They it's incredible. they so
1: drugs. It's crazy.
0: <laughs> they, they'd have to be, but there's yeah. some like wild energetic yeah. people, dude.
1: Yeah. No, I've, I've been watching uh, this documentary series at night when I go to bed called Dark Side of the Ring. And what's it on? Uh, I've just been watching it on Apple, like Apple TV or okay, iTunes nice. or whatever. But um, there's a few free episodes on on YouTube, and man, like some of the shit you hear, um, I mean, these are fucked up documentaries. Like there's one on Chris Benoit, and like the shit oh yeah, I remember did, him, yeah, yeah, like killed his whole family. The CTE <laughs> like, dude, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, he'd flying headbutts every night. I mean, that'll that'll do it. <laughs> Is he the
0: guy who he would he'd sit on the top rope and he'd do like the flip and then land with his head on people?
1: he wouldn't do a flip but he would just like spread his hands out like this and like extend his body and <laughs> literally just head to head boom like flying headbutt oh it's uh, so wild and, yeah it was fucked there's like episodes on him there's episodes on uh, there's episodes on like old promotions that were like that did like deathmatch wrestling and shit like that that those are the craziest people the people that do deathmatch wrestling because they'll just get hit over the head with light bulbs and, like, (laughs) dumped in thumbtacks for, like, $75.
0: They have barbed wire. Uh, Barbed
1: wire, super car. They'll, like, use barbed wire for the ropes of the ring. And Uh. then when they hit it, it just fucking electrocutes them. Like, here's your $75, sir. Um, And that's what they do, and they love doing it. So respect respect to those guys.
0: Yeah, and And, uh, pro wrestling, too. It's one of those things where it's, like, it is – it's an athletic – Uh, event where you have to be except some of the things that these guys do especially the new guys they're incredible athletes like they can move their body very very well but then they also have to cut promos they have to entertain the crowd they're improvising a lot of it it's really like a mixture of being like an athlete and like a an entertainer who does a lot of improv yeah it's a very difficult skill set
1: it's cool man yeah i've always been super intrigued by it i grew up watching it and i still like i don't watch it every like every uh you know week with like ron smackdown and and AEW and whatnot but i'll keep up with like what's happening online and like the pay-per-views and stuff tune in for wrestlemania happened, yeah 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 <laughs> i'll watch wrestlemania like the big pay-per-views um just to see what's going on because i do really enjoy it and i enjoy seeing how the storylines are playing out and like if like there's been a few years where it's like it's complete shit and it's just unwatchable and there's a, like right now is there's a big wrestling boom happening where there's just so much good shit happening in all the companies so it's it's a pretty exciting time to be a fan and uh yeah I've always just been super intrigued by it and it's and like a male soap it. opera. Oh dude, it's better. Yeah, <laughs> it's so good. Um, I love it. My friends make fun of me all the time. Like all my jujitsu friends, especially make fun of me all the time. But like you guys don't know what you're missing. This shit's awesome. No, it's
0: good. it's it's exciting, man. I have a lot of friends who are into it as well. Yeah. No, I, Sometimes I they keep it coming kind of, the cards close to their chest, but that yeah. they love it.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I I'm open about it, dude. It's it's super fun for me. Uh, I just have such a, a respect for for people that do that, especially the guys from back in the day that, like I said, would work like three hundred nights a year, three hundred plus nights a year, and and stay in character. Yeah, like they lived their fucking character until they were like in the room at night going to sleep. Yeah, and then like you know now. With with internet being the way it is, everyone like is more interested in the backstage kind of stuff and the contracts and what's going on. But back then, it was like the Undertaker was fucking dead, twenty four (laughs) seven, wearing black wherever he went. So respect to those guys. Like, imagine having to live your life like that. You you are your character in real
0: life. You you have to love it, man. Those guys like there's no way because they get paid good money now, and you know for the past twenty years, I'm sure they they're getting paid well. But like back in the day when they were doing it sometimes they were putting their bodies through all this they were you know putting their families through all these sacrifices for not a lot of money yeah. it really had to be like the love of the game dude yeah it's no, impressive sure.
1: like i said man you have people literally getting hit over the head with uh with light bulbs and being dumped in dump tax for $75 for sure <laughs> <laughs> you, you have to you have to love what you're doing like you said
0: so speaking of pro wrestling, this will this will be the final question. This is a, a bit of a modern day pro wrestling. Uh, there's, there's a rumored match. I don't think it's been confirmed. Uh, at least the date has the date and the venue hasn't been confirmed. But the match between Mark Zuckerberg and Elon Musk. Yeah. And this matchup, br- break it down for us. Who do you think is going to win, and how do you think they're going to win?
1: I mean, dude. Uh... Zuckerberg's been training Jiu-Jitsu for like a couple years now, right?
0: Yeah, he trains, I think, with Dave Camarillo up in the Bay Area. I mean,
1: Elon doesn't train, so it's like Do you have a guy that trains guy that doesn't train? I think so, so I, I have to go with the guy that trains, you know.
0: <laughs> okay, let, let's add a little twist to this. So I've heard Elon Musk has a background in Taekwondo and he also and also judo. So so let, let's make this assumption because I don't think we know what level his skills are. But let, let's assume that Elon has a decent skill set in judo and taekwondo, uh, and he's bigger. He's like, you know, he's taller. He's probably gonna be at least 30, 40 pounds heavier, but he's also a little bit older. And so you have a guy who's a, a bit bigger, or older, you know, has some takedown abilities, maybe knows a couple submissions, has, you know, some of the movement that you get from taekwondo versus a guy who's, who's trains MMA specifically, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu about 10 years younger but smaller how do you think it goes do you think i,
1: I would love for elon to beat zuckerberg's ass but i, <laughs> I just don't think it would happen just like, down the cards right yeah i think uh the, the guy literally trains like six seven days a week like we're talking about someone who trains multiple days a week and competes too he's like competing grappling very recently in one yeah so in la like, yeah it's really hard for me to bet against a guy when he's going to fight a guy that <laughs> doesn't train. Even if he does have a background in like taekwondo and judo, who knows what the level of that is and like he's done it a few times before, did it for a little bit. Like what is that background? It was like yeah. we know, okay, he's he trains a lot, he's in shape. He's competed, he's won. Like there's there's uh, you know, proof of what he's done there. I I think it would be like a minute long.
0: Did you see that the the country of Italy they offered to have them fight in the, Coliseum yeah, the Colosseum in Rome?
1: <laughs> so crazy, dude.
0: <laughs> How so wild crazy. would that be?
1: I honestly don't know why they want to do that. Like like why they want to fight? Like you you guys are fucking smart people. Why <laughs> why do you
0: want to I hit think cuz you know they've like they've beat the system. They broke out of the matrix like they they I think at a certain point you know once you are so successful, they're probably looking for something exciting to do, yeah and it's something I think where like they're not gonna get the victory just because they are who they are, and they yeah. can't like buy their way there. It's something right. where no matter who you are if you're gonna fight another man, you have to be better than that guy yeah. you have to want it more, you have to train harder. It's something where they actually have to prove themselves yeah
1: no i I agree for sure i, I do think Zuckerberger probably just like win in like a minute by <laughs> them out in like a minute um that's my opinion. I hope I'm wrong, dude. I would love to see Elon go in there and beat his ass. What, what if
0: Elon pulls a McGregor versus Aldo and, and just, just sleeps like him. The, the first punch, just <laughs> boom, sleeps him. That'd be incredible. Walks He's off
1: censorship. That'd be incredible. Yeah, bro. cuts so a promo. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be sick. But I don't know, man. I just don't. Especially like you've never competed or fought before, and there's gonna be millions of people watching. Oh you. yeah, it's like he. You put him against someone now that trains; mm-hmm. he'll probably gas quickly. Now you add all that adrenaline. I feel like in thirty seconds, I mean, both of them probably their gas tanks will be gone. But Zuckerberg's at least competed before in yeah. grappling. Just grab him and like yes, you're already.
0: I don't know, and bro. he kind of has the confidence of knowing he's competed and like knows like before, oh yeah. I know how to do this. Yeah. And Elon still has to think like Can I like Can I actually beat him? Yeah. You know, I think there's going to be possibly a little bit more doubt in his head. And I think also the workload is a thing where like, we're like Mark Zuckerberg is no longer the CEO. So I think he can carve out more time to fully commit and train. And I think Elon, no matter what, he still has to run multiple companies.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm sure they're both super busy. It does seem like from an outsider's perspective that Elon is more on his plate, like uh, business wise, but you, you never really know i'm sure they're That's both true. like working like 12 hours a day regardless
0: i don't know i saw mark uh, zuckerberg he's out there wakeboarding with uh izzy and oh yeah Volkanowski. <laughs> is <he> in
1: australia <laughs> yeah
0: no I, I think this is when they're still in the u.s i'm not sure it looked like they were maybe in like lake tahoe okay but they were like out there like wakeboarding and then training Do you not see this i zuckerberg saw Zuckerberg training with izzy training yeah okay i didn't yeah. see them
1: like hanging out like that and stuff no yeah um yeah, man. If it happens, it'll be super fun. Everyone's gonna watch a bunch of money to be made, and I, I think, think it'd be good for the sport too. Yeah, it'd be cool. I think they said they want to do it for charity too, which would be pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man. I I think that the guy that trains is gonna beat the guy. That doesn't train, you know, <laughs> it's just like my common sense kicking in. As much as I would love to see Elon win, a big Elon guy, but um, I think it's awkward.
0: Uh, I think there's oh, a long history of that trend, like holding true for sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, well, um, Christos, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, you guys, if you guys are interested in uh, any of these uh, events he's holding, I'd, I'd highly recommend them. Uh, if you go to enigmajitsu.tv, you can find uh, all of his matches. It's only $6.99 a month to subscribe to them. And yeah. You have access to all your events yeah. that you do and everything that you guys have done historically. So all these events we were talking about today, uh very very exciting you can go back in the archive and watch them all and he's going to have some really big events coming up soon and seems like every week or two there's something new being added
1: (laughs) yeah there won't be um i don't think there'll be anything else going on until september but those ones will be huge you can cancel that 6.99 anytime and all the live events are included as well so if you just want to like pay that 6.99 and watch those two big events in september and then cancel it right after you're you're more than welcome to but uh, i guarantee you'll You'll probably sign up again a month later. when we got something else going
0: on. I'd highly recommend it. You know, and if you contrast this to some of the other platforms out there, it's you don't get any, you don't get this quality of events for this cheap on any other platform. So, recommend you guys checking that out. Also, uh, they have a in uh, Instagram Enigma Jiu-Jitsu official right, and then it's a Enigma TV, I believe. Yep, exactly. So, Similar accounts, they're connected. Yeah, check now. them out because in the next uh, couple weeks to to month, you'll start to see. All the big names are going to be signing up for this $5,000 cash bracket in both the 155 and 170. So, make sure you you follow and stay in touch with that because it's going to be big. Yeah, man, I'm super excited, Joe. Thanks for having me, dude. This is a lot of fun. Of course, appreciate it. Thanks for joining.
1: Thanks, man.